Good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, and I struggle with body image issues, anxiety, sexual addiction, lust, and depression. And my name's David. Thanks. Hi. Um, has this series not been great for us, this Freedom Series? I, I'm just, I know that I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, and, and I hope you have too. Hey, I want you to do me a favor. I want everybody to pull their phone out. I'm going to do it as well. And I want you to go to your camera. If you don't do it, you're not, really, you're not gonna know what's going on here in a second. And I want you to hold it up to this. You might have to zoom in, and if something's gonna pop up on the, on the top of your screen, I want you to press that. Give it a second to load. I, I wanna walk you through this really quick, uh, just so that you're in the know about a couple things that are going on. Uh, in Fellowship Fayetteville. So the first thing you'll see is, is, an, is an option to type in your name um, and your first and last name and your email address. And so every Monday morning, we will send out an email about all the announcements that we announce um, in here on a Sunday. And so it's an easy way for you to, to be in the know of what's going on. The first thing I wanna talk through is discover um, as you see on there, discover what that is. It's an opportunity for you if, if you're new or if you've been here for a while to get connected to what we're doing. Um, it, it, it also is our, our membership process. And so if you've been here for a while or you're new and you've had a hard time um, getting plugged in or getting connected, please register for Discover. Um, the, the mo most of the stories we hear about Discover are from the small group experience. You actually get placed in a small group and you get to walk through um, that with other people, and it helps you get, get to know. It, our small groups are a way to make a large church feel really small. And so if you've had a hard time connecting, uh, please register for that, and you can see that you can sign up right there. If you'll scroll down a little bit to uh, where it says family, we have a Fayette Kids Family Night coming up, and that will actually be next Saturday night. Um, just by a show of hands, who is here for Easter outside at the family service? Yeah, some families. Was that not incredible? Getting to be with other families outside and singing. Um, we're gonna do that again this next Saturday. And so you'll need to register for that. Um, and as you, as you see, there'll be Burton's ice cream available for purchase, um, a complimentary dinner, and it's gonna be outside. So you have to bring your own lawn chair um, for that. Uh, well, coming up at the end of, uh, of this series, we'll have Mother's Day, and then right after Mother's Day, we're going to walk into um, our, our series this summer through the book of Hebrews. And our media team put together this book um, for, the, for the book of Hebrews, and this is incredible. Uh, I, was, I was going through it the other day, just um, flipping some pages, and every picture in here was taken by a photographer in our body, in this church. And what it's gonna do is it's gonna, it's gonna walk us through the book as we teach it. And so starting next week, these will be for sale. Out in the lobby, they'll be $5. And so um, super helpful tool. And our, our graphics team, they do an incredible job on everything that they do. Most of the look and the feel stuff that we have on a Sunday is from that team, and they are incredible. So next week, you'll be able to buy uh, this book. And as we said a couple times, we've been, we've been teaming up with CR for this series. And I just want to say, if you've never been to a Celebrate Recovery service on a Friday night, um, I want to invite you. Um, personally, I've gone through two-step studies. That's their, their small group recovery experience. 
and I've been to many Friday night services, and every time I've gone, I've left so encouraged. Every time I've gone, I've left with, with the reminder that I'm not alone in this Christian life, that there's other people that are, that are walking it with me and that are struggling well and that we're not alone. And so please, would you, would you consider um, coming to a Celebrate Recovery um, service soon? Uh, they're very, very helpful and beneficial. Well, I wanna begin our, our uh, time of singing by reading um, this over you from Romans chapter five. So hear these words. This is Romans 5, verses 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. Lord, thank you for that truth this morning that we are justified by your blood and your blood alone. Lord, as we turn our eyes and our hearts to you this morning, would you make yourself known to us? We need you. Shameful sin, based on him. 
blood and your blood alone is our victory. And so Father, this morning as we take a moment and just pause and thank you for your blood, Lord, would you hear the prayers of your people? Would you just take a moment and thank him for that this morning, that his blood covers you. stand with us this morning as we continue to sing
Fellowship, you can have a seat. Hey, my name is Brian Pope. I'm a grateful follower of Jesus Christ, and I have a calling. Now, if you've been here the past couple of weeks, you probably hear that, and you go, man, he just messed up the intro. This is when you're supposed to say who you are and what you're going through and what you're struggling with. And don't worry, later on I'll get there. Matter of fact, this morning, I, th I think I'm sharing something I'll... I've never shared in front of a large group before. 
But this is also the week where everything changes. And if you're here last week, Clark spoke on dealing with our sins. And this week, I get to talk about the new identity that we have in Christ. And so again, my name is Brian Pope. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I have a calling. And here's my calling, and this is what I'm passionate about, is I get to play a role in seeing the gospel taken to places and to people who've never experienced the gospel before. And I didn't just wake up one morning and say, hey, this is gonna be my passion. There's there several things that have happened in my life. One of them was years ago, we got to go on a mission trip to Thailand, and we went to this village that was hit hardest by this tsunami. And when we went, we weren't doing relief work. This was years after the tsunami had happened. But what we experienced there, because people had told us, they said, hey, the Thai people are very closed. They're not open. Uh, you'll be surprised if you even get in a conversation with one. And don't even expect to get into a spiritual conversation. But what had happened at this particular village that was hit is that they had seen their statues, their Buddhist statues that they had worshiped as gods washing down the street. And so in their mind, they pictured, well, that is not God. But nobody had come and explained to him who the true God was. And so we were basically there taking nothing but the gospel and we were just going door to door and we were sharing. And it was unbelievable that almost everybody that we talked to was open to talk about spiritual things. And we saw on that trip people coming to Christ for the very first time. And it planted something in, in me where I was like, I want to be a part of this. Uh, several years later, in a totally different setting, I was working with college students at the time, and I had a group of college students who befriended a, a student from the Middle East, and, and he ended up becoming one of my friends. And uh, over the next 12 months uh, to 14 months, we just hung out with him, and he just began to explore what this Christian life was like, and, and he would get involved with different ministries, not just ours, and go to Bible studies, and it just really became uh, a close friend of mine. And one day he called me up and he says, he says, Pope, can we just get together? I, I got a bunch of questions to ask you. And so we went to the place where all great, deep theological uh, conversations happen, Cracker Barrel in Springdale. And we sat there for literally two hours as he just asked question after question after question. I can't even, to be honest, I can't remember any of the questions he asked. And, and, and I just tried to answer uh, those questions. And then we just kind of left there, and two days later, he called me up, and he says, hey, I got some more questions. Can we meet again? And so we met at even a deeper place, Frickin' Chicken on Dixon Street. <laughs> and for an hour and a half, again, he just asked questions after question. And at the end of it, he just said, he goes, well, if somebody wants to become a Christian, what do they do? And I said, I just quoted Romans 10, 9 to him, and I said, well, Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you will be saved. And I just say, you just, you pray that. You pray that to God. And I go, that's something that you can do on your own or uh, you can ask other people to do it with you and, and I can do it with you. And um, if you just ever feel led to do that, just, just let me know. And he says, okay. And he reached across the table and he just put his hand out like this. And I didn't know what to do. And I just reached and I just shook his hand. And he goes, no, I'm ready to pray that prayer. And I was like, whoa. And I was just so blown away with it. I was like, this has become my passion. 
seeing the gospel go to places that's never been before or working with people who've never been exposed to the gospel. And by the way, I'm the global outreach pastor. And if I can just give you a quick update on something that happened in January, this is a picture of some of our global workers in Africa, and they were baptizing the first two believers that they've led to Christ. And the reason that the picture is like this is intentional is because they are in a completely Muslim country where it is against the law. As a matter of fact, they could be killed from changing their faith. And one of these guys right here is uh, going out and he's leading two other Bible studies, being bold in his faith, even though that he could be openly persecuted for what he's done. And I've never been to that country, but I feel like I get to play a backseat role in seeing that happen. As a matter of fact, I wanna encourage you, fellowship, that if you have ever given any money to this church at all, remember, remember when we used to pass the offering plate? Seems like a long time, doesn't it? And even if you are one of the guys where, where you're like, oh no, here it comes, you're taking off. You, you know, you're, you're taken by surprise. And so you're pulling out your wallet and you're flipping through and you're going, oh no, 20, 20, 20. Don't want to drop a 20, 20, 20. Okay, 10. Uh, 10. Oh no, I do have a five. Oh, there it is. Whew. You throw it in there. You played a role. <laughs> even if that was you, you played a role in seeing this happen. The gospel taken into an area in Africa that it's not, and people are coming to Christ. And currently, there's 13 different Bible studies going on by these global workers exposing the people to the word for the first time. I have a calling, and I love it. But it wasn't always this way. You see, for years of my life, even after I became a Christian, I suffered greatly from OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. I kind of had all the normal things that you hear about with that, putting everything in order, rechecking stuff, making sure everything's turned off, turned on, those types of things. Numbers played a big role in my mind. It's constantly going on. There's good numbers, there's bad numbers. There's certain ways that I had to walk, certain things that I couldn't step on. All, all these things that were constantly going on in my mind, but... I, offers, I also suffered from a very specific type of OCD, scrupulosity OCD. And what that is, is, is for some reason, and scientists can't figure it out, but it causes you to have very negative thoughts, especially to the things that you love the most, which meant that my mind was constantly having terrible things to say about God about Jesus and about the Holy Spirit over and over again. And I'd wake up in the morning and it would start and it wouldn't stop until I'd go to bed. And so it was just a constant battle. And all through the day, there'd just be different triggers of this just going on, going on. Terrible, blasphemous thoughts against God. And I was a believer. I was a follower of Christ. But because of some of those thoughts and, and some of the words that were said, there were certain lies that I believed, that I was trying to walk through my life with. One of them was this. I have committed a sin for which I would not be forgiven. I thought I had done something, blaspheming against God or against Jesus, and I thought I would not be forgiven of that sin. So I was walking around as a follower of Christ with this thought that I would not be forgiven of my sin. Also, 
Because of that, because I was not forgiven, I walked around believing that I was not a child of God. That I claimed to be a Christian, but I was outside of the family and wasn't allowed to be in the family. Also, I believed that I had, because of that, I had no purpose in the kingdom. That God did not have a role for me to play. And finally, probably one of the ones that was the most painful was this, was that you can't share this struggle with anyone. No one would understand. No one would be able to help. One is, is that I thought that it was so weird, and it is weird, but I thought it was so weird that I was embarrassed to share it with anybody else. I didn't even know it had a name at the time. And two is, there was a lie that was implanted in my mind that if I shared this with somebody else, that they would begin to struggle with the same thing. So I kept it a complete secret for years and years. And so I was a poster child for the cycle of unhealth. And I'd like you to look at the bottom right-hand corner, the false identity statements. That was me especially those bottom three, I'm not good enough, God doesn't love me, I don't matter to God. That was the life that I was living. And you can just imagine trying to overcome sins and trying to walk with God, but but constantly living in those lies. Now I realize what I'm sharing with y'all relates to probably 0.1% of the people out there. As a matter of fact, if you struggle with the same thing, this is your Sunday. You have to talk to me after this. But here's what I realized after 25 years of ministry, and I've counseled with a lot of people, is people are living in the same lies. The exact same lies. What they do is a little attachment to them. And, And this is what I've seen, lies that other people believe that others believe that you have committed a sin for which you cannot be forgiven. I've seen that over and over again, believers, people who walk with Christ saying like, oh no, God would never forgive me for what I've done. Or they do an attachment to it and they say, but other Christians or the church will never forgive me for what I've done. Also, another one is, therefore, because of that, you are not a child of God. Or a little attachment onto that of like, yeah, I kind of know that I'm a child of God, but I'm the awkward child that God's not proud of. That you have God over here who's, who's boasting and saying, look at these children that I have so much love for, and oh yeah, there's Hank. We're not sure how Hank got in, kind of on a technicality but I guess he's part of the family too. By the way, if your name's Hank, I apologize. I was just pulling the name out. And people feel this and they struggle with this of like, yeah, I'm a child of God, but God's not proud of who I am. Then there's another one. Therefore, you have no purpose to fulfill in this kingdom. And I've probably seen more people trapped in this of like, God has no purpose for my life. And purpose is so key to walking with God. Matter of fact, this is a strange example, but matter of fact, in the 18th century, 
The prison system in England wanted to come up with a way to punish the prisoners, and it was transported uh, for a couple years over into America. And they really wanted to punish the, the prisoners for what they've done. And after a few years, they developed this thing. And after a few years, it was considered cruel and unusual punishment. Matter of fact, when prisoners did this, for some of them, it would absolutely drive them crazy. And so they stopped doing it. You want to see a picture of this device? It's a stair climber. Not kidding. It's a stair climber. And I don't know about you, but at my gym, people are doing stair climbers all the time. Matter of fact, people are paying to do stair climbers all the time. What's the difference? The difference is, is that we now know that there's a purpose for it. It makes you healthy. In the 18th century, they didn't think there was a purpose for it. And so they put the prisoners on it, and in their mind, there's like, this is doing nothing, and I'm going nowhere, and it's driving me crazy. And some people are living their spiritual life like that, that I'm going nowhere, that God doesn't have a purpose for me. I'm trying to do all these things, but nothing is happening. And finally, the final lie, you can't share your struggle with anyone. No one would understand no one would be able to help, or I'm too shameful, or what would people think? And so it's not just somebody who's living with OCD, who's living in the cycle of unhealth. It's a lot of us here in this room. But what the exciting news is, there's also a cycle of health. And I really want to focus on the bottom two this morning. And for me, the way that I was rescued out of my struggle is I was actually sitting under a biblical scholar who was teaching, and he was teaching through the specific sin that I was struggling with, the, the sin that I thought I couldn't be forgiven for, and he was given the context, and then he began to teach that Christ's blood is sufficient to forgive all sin. And I'm not over-exaggerating that at that moment, as I was sitting there, as I was listening to this teaching, it felt like somebody had reached down and pulled chains off my shoulders. And I was given freedom. And I realized at that moment that all the promises of God and all the things that you see in Scripture now applied to me. And that I am loved because of Christ. I can change because of Christ. God loves me because of Christ. I matter because of Christ. And that's why the verse where Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, that is so dear to me because that is what I felt at that moment of hearing the truth and realizing that the promises of God applied to me. And then I entered in, into a stage of just uh, of staying in this cycle of health, of, of doing the spiritual disciplines. And one of the spiritual disciplines I like to talk about all the time is preaching the gospel to yourself, that you need to hear the gospel over and over again and realize what Christ has done for you. And it applies to you just as much as it does the lost person. And, and I began to have uh, relationships of confession and repentance that I could be open with my sins and my struggles. 
And by the way, this is not just something that we're encouraging y'all to do. Every week, there's a guy on staff, Aaron Parks, we get together for this and we pray for each other. Matter of fact, last Thursday, we were just sitting there and we were celebrating, going through the prayers that we believe that God has answered for us just since we started this this past summer. It's been incredible. As you heard on stage today, there's, there's quite a few of fellowship staff people who are part of CR. This is for all of us. And then finally, authentic Christian community. And by the way, I'm gonna give you away the secret sauce of this whole series. Here's the secret sauce of the whole series. If you're struggling with something, the way to change can only happen through Christ and through community. It happens through Christ and through community. And you say, Pope, are you saying that it just can't happen through Christ? And like, well, technically, God can do whatever he wants, but man, the Bible sure does talk a lot about doing this through community. That's the secret side. If you forget everything else about this series, Christ can change you. And the cycle of health is doing this in community with other believers. So let me show you how this has played out in our passage this morning. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, look at this new identity that he's given. If you were here last week, the section of the verses that we went over was just a list of sins that Paul was talking about and he was addressing to the church, people in the church living in these sins. And God, right here, what's happening is he's wanting to change our identity the way that we think. And it says those, those who have been chosen by God. What that means is, is that God looked out and he looked out at a group of sinful people. And he's saying, I want that person in my family. Not that you clean yourself up, but he's saying, I want that sinful person to be a part of my family. And I am gonna be the one to make them holy through the blood of Christ. And then that word there, beloved, means deeply, deeply loved. There's no children of God where God is saying, that's the one that I'm embarrassed of. We are all deeply loved. And the next one is this, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Here's the word picture that I want you to get. Imagine that you are an orphan living in the slums and the king decides to go there one day and enter into the area. And for your entire life, you've had the same pair of clothes and you're covered and you're caked in mud. And the king says, I want that one to be a part of my family. And he takes you into his household. And he says, you're not just gonna live here, but you're gonna be my child. And he pulls out for you a whole new wardrobe. And he says, you've got a new way to live. And you're allowed to go through and choose and to put on these things that you've never been able to put on before. And this is what this verse is talking about. It's saying, hey, why would you keep the rags on? Why would you keep the old, muddy clothes on when you can put on new things that the king is offering to you? And finally, what we just talked about, this is done in community. It is done in community. 
bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you must do also. Can we stop becoming a church where we just say, hey, did you hear what Hank did? Can you believe that? And can we become a church where we say, man, I heard what Hank did. I wonder if I can help him. How can we be there to help? How can we be there to restore him? How can we be there to show him the forgiveness that God has granted to us? It's a part of a community. It's part of a body. It's part of a family of Christ. I want you to realize this. The more you reaffirm who you are in Christ, the more your behavior will begin to reflect your true identity. I'll read that again. The more you reaffirm who you are in Christ, the more your behavior will begin to reflect your true identity. And that's why you need to preach the gospel to yourself over and over again that I am forgiven. I am a child of God. I have a purpose. I am forgiven. I am a child of God. I have a purpose. So this morning, I just wanna remind you of a few of these things. And if you are believing some of those lies that I listed up there, let's see what the truth says about it. Psalms 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 1, 18, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be made white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He is the one who has done the work. Hebrews 10.10, and by that we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. It is Christ who has done the work. If you're dealing with sin, if you're feeling dirty, if you think you can't share this, God is the one who has made you holy through Jesus Christ. It is the truth. Grasp it. Believe it. This verse I, I wanted to share because it's very dear to me personally. When I was struggling, when I wasn't, wasn't feeling like I was a part of God, I'd go to this verse over and over and over again. And it says this, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I would literally sit in my room and just picture that I have been placed in the hand of Jesus. And not only that, then I just picture also the hand of the father wrapped around that. And it says, he has given us eternal life and no one, and no one means no one, meaning no one, including me, including my sin, can snatch me out of the Father's hand. That is the love that he has for you. And eternal life means eternal life, meaning that he didn't once give it and then take it away. It is eternal and then this, he doesn't just forgive our sins, but what does he do? He changes our identity. 
But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. 1 John 3, 1 through 2, see how great a love the Father has given us that we would be called children of God. In fact, that is what we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, dearly loved, now we are children of God. That is who you are in Christ, a beloved child of God. And if you think you have no purpose, there's verses to address that. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, which means this, as I've given you a new life, now go, tell others. This ministry is now yours, and it's yours to share. You have a purpose. Doesn't stop there. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You seeing a theme here? Jesus does a lot. Jesus does a lot. And we are created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God has prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. What that tells me is that, man, God has this incredible plan for you to go out and to live. And he's saying, man, I'm just waiting. It's there. I've created beforehand. Walk into your purpose. Walk into your purpose. I've given you a new life, a new creation through Christ Jesus. Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed. So if you're sitting there just going, oh, my sin's so big, my sin's so big, God will never be able to forgive me. And right here it says every lawless deed, every sin that you can imagine, he has redeemed us from. And for a purpose, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works zealous, passionate to go out and to share this with others. This past summer, uh, I went to an estate sale. How's that for a transition? <laughs> I don't know why I love estate sales, but this one was held uh, at an old barn, and so stuff had just sat in this barn for years. And as I was walking around and I was looking through this stuff, there was two cast iron skillets that were there. And I don't know much about cast iron skillets. I just thought it'd be kind of cool to own one, but I also kind of know like the ones that have value kind of have a stamp, kind of have a mark on the back. And, and one of them I looked at and I was like, ooh, this one's marked. Kind of rusty, kind of dirty. And I was like, ah, I think I'll bid on that. And told my friend and he came to the point, we got to the auction and the guy held up the cast iron skillet and started the auction and the number went up and up and up and it kind of got past the point that I was gonna pay for it and somebody bought it and I was like, ah. And then he lifted up the second cast iron skillet. And I had seen this one, I'd already looked at it, I looked at the back and there was nothing on it. So I know it was something that had little value. Matter of fact, I have a picture of it. Every single part of it was covered in rust, every single part of it. And he started the auction and he started at the number, but instead of the number going up because nobody said anything, the number started going down. 
meaning that nobody wanted it. And finally, he said, hey, is anybody out there that would give me three bucks for this? And I raised my hand and said, I'll take it, three bucks. And I went and I bought it and I immediately had buyer's remorse. (laughs) This thing was so nasty and gross. True story. Stuck it in my trunk, kept it there, didn't pull it out. And then I was here the week after Christmas in the back room back there where all the people with the band kind of hanging out before the service. And I heard this guy talking in the corner and he says, I built this contraption in my garage that cleans off cast iron skillets. (laughs) And so I jumped into the conversation and I was like, wait, 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 what what is this? And he goes, yeah. And basically, it's this, this thing filled with liquid, and you get the cast iron skillet, and you put a negative charge on that, and you get another piece of metal, and you put a positive charge on that, and it basically just sucks all the gunk off of that onto the other piece of metal. And I go, dude, I got one in my trunk. <laughs> I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I go, would you clean it off for me? And he's like, yeah. And so I went and I got it. And as soon, I hadn't seen it in months. As soon as I opened up the trunk, I pull it out. And I was like, oh, there's no way. There's no way. And I went back and I apologized to him. And I said, hey, man, this won't work. It won't get clean. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, try me. Try me. And so two days later, he texts me pictures. This is it. And here's the cool thing is, is, is that after I got it back, a week later, I saw him again, and I just said, I wanted to say thank you to him. I said, hey, man, thank you so much. And this is the question that he asked me. And I want you to write this down because this is key. He looked at me and he says, have you fried bacon in it yet? <laughs> have you fried bacon in it yet? And the reason was, is because he didn't clean it off for it to go on the shelf. He cleaned it off for a purpose. Y'all, that is the story of the gospel. That we might be so covered in our sin that we're thinking there's no way. There's no way that God could clean me up. And God is looking at us and he is saying, try me. Try me. Come see what the blood of Christ can do. Come see what my Holy Spirit can do. And all of our sin gets removed and all of our sin we know is put onto Christ. He became the sin for us. But he doesn't just clean us up to look good. He cleans us up for a purpose. The guy who cleaned my pan is actually our piano player, Brian. And as we got together to talk about this, He began to share a story of the frying pan is also the story of his life. You see, years ago, and he gave me permission to share this, but years ago, he was trapped in addictions. And it was destroying every part of his life, his job, his family, his friends, everything. And he said, he goes, I had absolutely no value to offer anybody. But God looked at him and he said, Brian, you're my child. You have value to me. 
And it began a process of cleaning them up and getting them into community. And even today, he's using his gifts to lead us in worship. This past week, he led worship in three different areas, in high school, in CR, and here. And Brian, would you lead us out today?
turned off my microphone. I'm always afraid that people will hear me singing. Fellowship, imagine if we were a church where every single one of us could get up and say, I have a calling. Even if we had to say, it hadn't always been that way, but I have a calling. And may we be a church that rally around those who are not there yet to help get them there. Thank you for being with us this morning. If you need somebody to pray with, you can go through our prayer doors right over there. We loved having you. Thank you, fellowship.